Chapter 6 of The Art of Travel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gary Ullman. The Art of Travel by Sir Francis Galton. Chapter 6 Memoranda and Logbooks. Best form for memoranda. I have remarked that almost every traveller who is distinguished for his copiousness and accuracy of his journals has written them in a remarkably small but distinct handwriting. Hard pencil marks, HHH pencils, on common paper or on metallic paper are very durable. Dr. Barth wrote his numerous observations entirely in Indian ink. He kept a tiny saucer in his pocket rubbed with the ink. When he wanted to use it, he rubbed it up with his wetted fingertip, or resupplied it with fresh ink and filled his pen and wrote. Captain Burton wrote very much in the dark, when lying awake at night. He used a board with prominent lines of wood, such as adapted by the blind. It is very important that what is written should be intelligible to a stranger after a long lapse of time. A traveller may die and his uncompleted work perish with him, or he may return and years will pass by, and suddenly some observations he had made will be called in question. Professor J. Forbes says, The practice which I have long adopted is this, to carry a memorandum book with Harwood's prepared paper. In this point of detail I do not concur. See next paragraph and metallic pencil in which notes and observations and slight sketches of every description are made on the spot and in the exact order in which they occur. These notes are almost inefficable and are preserved for reference. They are then extended as far as possible every evening with pen and ink in a suitable book in the form of a journal, from which, finally, they may be extracted and modified for any ultimate purpose. The speedy extension of memoranda has several great advantages. It secures a deliberate revision of observations, whether of instrument or of nature, whilst further explanation may be sought, and very often whilst ambiguities or contradictions admit of removal by a fresh appeal to facts. By this precaution, too, the risk of losing all the fruit of some weeks of labor by the loss of a pocketbook may be avoided. It has occurred to me frequently to be consulted about the best way of keeping MSS Captain Blakiston, who surveyed the northern part of the Rocky Mountains and subsequently received the Medal of the Royal Geographical Society for his exploration and admirable map of the Yangtze Kian in China, paid great attention to the subject. He was fully in possession of all I had to say on the matter, and I gladly quote the method he adapted in North America, with slight modifications, according to the results of his experience and with a few trivial additions of my own. For the purpose of the memoranda and mapping data, he uses three sets of books, which can be ordered at any lithographer. Number one, pocket memorandum book measuring three inches and a half by five, made of strong paper. Captain Blakeston did not use, and I should not advise travelers to use, prepared paper, for it soon becomes rotten and the leaves fall out. Beside that, 
Wet makes the paper soppy. The books are paged with bold numbers printed in the corners. Two faint red lines are ruled down the middle of each page, half an inch apart to enable a book to be used as a field surveyor's book when required. In this pocketbook, every single thing that is recorded at all is originally recorded with a hard triple H pencil. Everything is written consecutively without confusion or attempt to save space. There may easily be 150 pages in each of these books, and a sufficient number should be procured to admit of having at least one per month. Do not stint yourself in these. Number two, log book. This is an orderly way of collecting such parts of the surveying material as has been scattered over each day in your notebook. It is to be neatly written out and will become the standard of future reference. By using a printed form, the labor of drawings up the log on the one hand and that of consulting it on the other will be vastly diminished. I give Captain Blakiston's form in pages 28, 29, and I would urge intending travelers not to depart from it without very valid reason, for it is the result of considerable care and experience. The size in which the form is printed here is not quite accurate because the pages of this book are not large enough to admit of it, but the proportion is kept. The actual size is intended to be five and a half inches high and nine inches wide, so that it should open freely along one of the narrow sides of the page, in the way that all memoranda books ought to open. Four pages go to a day of these pages, one and two are alone represented in this book, pages three and four being intended to be left blank. The bold figures, 17 and 18, in the right-hand corners of the form I give show how the pages should be numbered. The line in page 18 should be faint blue. Number three, calculation book. This should be of the same size and shape as the log book and should contain outline forms for calculations. The labor and confusion saved by using these and the accuracy of work that they ensure are truly remarkable. The instruments used, the observations made, and especially the tables employed, are so exceedingly diverse that I fear it would be to little purpose if I were to give special examples. Each traveler must suit himself. I will, therefore, simply make a few general remarks on the subject in the following paragraphs. Number of observations requiring a record. A traveler does excellently who takes latitude by meridian altitudes once in a 24 hours, a careful series of lunars once a fortnight on an average, compass variations as often and an oculation now and then. He will want occasionally a time observation by which to set his watch. I am supposed he uses no chronometer. He ought, therefore, to provide himself with outline forms for calculating these observations. Even if he finds himself obliged to have them printed on lithographed on purpose and in preparing them, he should bear the following well-known maxims in mind. That all careful observations be in doubles. If they be for latitudes, observe a star north and a star south. 
The errors of your instrument will then affect the results in opposite directions, and the mean of the results will destroy the error. So, if for time, observe in doubles, viz., a star east and a star west. Also, if for lunars, let your sets be in doubles, one set of distances to star E of moon and one to star west of moon. Whenever you begin on lunars, give three hours at least to them and bring away a reliable series. You will be thus possessed of a certainty to work upon. Instead of the miserably unsatisfactory results obtained from a single set of lunars taken here and another set there, a scattered all over the country and impossible to correlate. A series should consist of six sets, each set including three simple distances. Three of these sets should be to a star or stars east of moon and three to a star at or stars west of moon. Lunars not taken on the east and west plan are almost worthless, no matter how numerous they may be. For the sextant, etc., may be inaccurate to any amount, and yet no error be manifest in the results. But the east and west plan exposes errors mercilessly, and also eliminates them. One of the best authorities on the requirements of sextant observations in rude land travel, the Astronomer Royal of Cape Town, says to this effect, do not observe the altitude of the star in taking lunars, but compute it. The labor requisite for that observation is better bestowed in taking a large number of distances. So much delicacy of hand and eyesight is requisite in taking lunars that shall give results reliable to seven or eight miles, and so small an exertion or flurry spoils that delicacy. That economy of labor and fidget is a matter to be carefully studied. These things being premised, it will be readily understood that outline forms sufficient for an entire series of lunars will extend over many pages. They will, in fact, require 18 pages. There are four sets of observations for time, one east and one west, both at beginning and close of the whole one for latitudes north and south, six for six sets of lunars, as described above, six for the corresponding altitudes of the stars, which have to be computed, and, finally, one page for taking means and recording the observations for adjustments, etc. Each double observation for latitude will take one page, each single time observation one page, and each single compass variation one page. An oculation would require three pages in all, one of which would be for time. At this rate, and taking the observations mentioned above, a book of 500 pages would last half a year. Of course, where the means of transport is limited, travelers must content themselves with less. Thus, Captain Speak, who started on his great journey amply equipped with log books and calculation books, such as I have described, found them too great an encumbrance and was compelled to abandon them. The result was that though he brought back a very large number of laborious observations, there was a want of method in them, which made a considerable part of his work of little or no use, while the rest required very careful treatment. 
in order to give results commensurate with their high intrinsic value. End of chapter 6 Recording by Gary Ullman, West Palm Beach, Florida